Welcome to the In The Scope podcast, where you read and hear new perspectives in the scope of different lenses. I am your host, Joshua M. Hicks, senior writer of War Media. Make sure to subscribe to War on Anchor, the home of the In The Scope podcast, on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the TuneIn app. And follow me on social media at that guy Josh Hicks on Instagram and jhicks042 on Twitter. Also, make sure to check out the War Media site at weareregalradio.com to get all the hottest and latest content on all things sports. Again, this is Joshua M. Hicks, and welcome to the In This Go podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. for war media and co-host of running with war podcast man this time we're doing a combination of things today it's not just going to be an in the scope but this is also going to be a run with war segment because we're going to be talking about the nba and the pelicans with a very special friend of mine he's a great mentor to me in his journalism game and he is like i always tell him he's the heartbeat of new orleans because he's just <laughs> all around new orleans and he gets the scoop on everything, and he is a he's been, and he's a legend in the game. He's he's been in a sports journalism game for forty four years, and most of it was in in Louisiana, and more specifically yeah. New Orleans. So I they wouldn't take me any other place, Joshua. They wouldn't take. <laughs> me <place>. That's why. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure New Orleans is glad to have you. Just like we're glad to have you on this on this special edition podcast. Is Roy Brown, Roy Brown? How you doing, man? Joshua, how are you? Thank you for having me, sir. I'm quite Everything fine. going all right? Everything going all right for you? Yes, sir. Just, just, like, every, just like every young buck out here, I'm a working man. So, yep. I, <laughs> work hard. Work hard. <laughs> yep. Just working hard. Um, glad to have you on, as always. Um, and with your expertise, I'm very excited to see the insight that you have to give us today because we are going to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans who have had a roller coaster of a season, um, <laughs> especially around the surrounding the story of Zion Williamson's rookie year. But um, obviously, let's start off with the recent activity that they had within the bubble. We know the NBA had to start a bubble to, you know, put a little exhibition games in and to basically prepare teams for the playoffs. Right. And the Pelicans were invited, yes. but they did poorly. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think poorly is a, a, a more nicer term to, to describe it. Um, You're very polite, yes. Yes, and... <laughs> My first question to you, sir, is what were the what do you think are the pros and cons of this past season for the Pelicans? Hmm. The pros. Brandon Ingram was a pro. Yeah, in more ways than one. I think he should be the most improved player in the league. Uh, might be a little biased because he's here, but I think he definitely warrants, you know, consideration, which he has. And he may end up winning that uh, pro. Zion Williamson, the fact that he's here. Uh, yeah, I would say that that's a pro, one of the big, big pros. He was the reason why they were even in the bubble. Okay, they really tried to make it so that he could be part of that, you know, which, which I think is neat. In a small market like this, we don't usually get that kind of attention. Okay, and they made sure that what five or six of the eight 
Pelicans games were nationally televised and some of them in prime time. And it was solely because of him and because they wanted him in. Uh, cons, I don't think he ever got in shape, ever, really. I don't think he was at any point. Obviously, maybe a lot of that had to do with the injury that uh, he sustained and was coming off. And, you know, they said he was in great shape when he arrived at the bubble, but then he had to go take care of a family emergency. And he came back looking like he wasn't in shape. I don't think he was ever in shape because we didn't really see much of it when the bubble started or when the workouts for the bubble started. I just think he was out of shape. Uh, and they may have to do something about that. Uh, even out of shape, though, he looked pretty good. <laughs> I can't say that much about it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, he only played 24 games, Joshua, when you think about it. It seems like it was a lot more, but it was only 24 games, I think, he played the entire season. And his numbers were like 24 minutes a game, and he had averaged 22 points a game. So if he gets in shape, I mean, that's a big pro. Okay, a huge problem. Cons, I don't think they have enough in the middle. They don't have enough presence in the middle. The team doesn't. Derek Favors is a nice player, but he's a good defender on the floor for a pivot guy. He's a good defender on the floor, and that's not what they need. Uh, Derek Favors is the kind of guy that comes in off the bench and gives you something. He's not your starting center. He shouldn't be. They need a rim protector. That's a con that they have this year. No rim protection. One person I'm going to put Joshua pro and con is Lonzo Ball. Because at one point in the season, he was a pro. And then there were some other parts of the season, he was a con. I mean, a big con. And uh, I just hope he comes around. You know, I really do. I really do. And I'm glad you mentioned that because Lonzo Ball is obviously one of my topics that I'm going to get into, especially now that since we're out of the bubble, there's been some rumors circulating about whether or not he's actually going to stay in, in New Orleans. Uh, um, I've seen those rumors too. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised. You know, I, I thought about something like that during, during the eight game bubble thing. And uh, there's probably somebody that would take him, but it depends what could they get for him. Um, and do they, and I'm not so sure that they at this point want to get rid of him, but it depends on what they could get for it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think that's out of the question, Judge, that uh, they could uh, trade Lonzo Ball to get something for him. I don't think it's out of the question at all. Okay, okay. We'll circle back, we'll circle back around to that okay. point, but <laughs> sticking with, uh, sticking with, Zion, obviously, like you mentioned, he only played 24 games, but he was a candidate for Rookie of the Year. Mm -hmm. Do you really think that with his numbers, even though he only played 24 games, mm -hmm. he should really still be the – he should be, like, a candidate, and should he actually win the Rookie of the Year in your opinion? I, f I felt all along that if the Pelicans passed Memphis and caught got that eight seed – you know, and I'm talking about, you know, before the pandemic came about. I felt that if they caught Memphis, that he should be rookie of the year instead of John Moran. John Moran had a terrific season, you know. Uh, 
kind of slow down, like like a lot of young players do sometimes, you know, because it's just they're not used to playing that many games. And, uh, you know, I thought that if they did that, if the Pels caught them and got that eighth seed, then I thought Zion should be. Then, of course, they said that everything would be, uh, qualifications would be what happened before the bubble. So now that disqualifies disqualifies Zion right there for me if I was voting. Then I'd have to say that it was John Moran. But, uh, you know, I'm really excited about the possibilities with Zion. I mean, I really am. There's some people who are kind of down on him. I'm not sure what they expected. Uh, he has some, mm, I don't People ex saw him at Duke, saw him covering half the court and blocking shots and that sort of thing. You know, if you remember that famous shot, somebody took a shot in the corner and he came from nowhere and squatted it away. Well, it wasn't going to happen a lot in the NBA. You know, I mean, he can do that sometimes, but he has the ability to be a really good defensive player. But like I said, when you're out of shape, and I do believe he was out of shape. I mean, I, do, I just do. I mean, you know, I'm not a trainer or anything, but he just looked out of shape to me. This is movement looked out of shape, especially when he came back during the bubble. I mean, he just looked winded. He just, he didn't have that, that pop that he had, that, that quickness. It just didn't look like he had it when he returned. And, but like I said, I feel good. I feel good about Simon, you know, with the right people around him and the right people riding him. Maybe he needs to be you know, need somebody really riding him as far as his diet and the whole works. I'm not sure what it is, but if he can stay healthy, he'll be a big time player, no doubt about it. Okay, so I just want to make sure you you're not too concerned about Zion's health as far as even with the injuries. Because I mean, I think was, I think someone mentioned that he pretty much got injured in every level of competition he's played in. It's some true. way, shape, or form. So it's like, you sure you're not worried about, especially with a knee, a kneecap that he had to get mm -hmm. surgery on? I mean, you, you don't think he's going to be you know, concerned about that? You're right about it. But like I said, I think if they get the right people around him and ride him, you know, and, and, and just make him do some things that maybe as a young guy that he, you know, never thought about doing. Uh, you know, he was in high school this time two years ago or whatever. You, you didn't have to do that. You were bigger than everybody else. You were better than everybody else. You could jump higher than everybody else. You're playing against grown men, grown men who take care of their bodies and been taking care of their bodies for a long time. And you've got to travel. See, I think one of the things about NBA life that people overlook is the lifestyle and the traveling part of it. You know, I mean, just think, it's not easy to play in one city one night and the temperature may be 50 degrees or whatever, and then you go to some other place the next night, the temperature may be 20 degrees, and it's a back-to-back, -back and, uh, you know, it's, it's just not easy, you know, and you got a cold, <laughs> but nobody wants to hear that you got a cold, or, or you might have the flu, all you know, but no, you got to go out and play, and they expect you to look like they want you to look, the reason why they came to the game was to see you, and, yeah, it's a hard life. That part of it is hard. A lot of people don't don't really think about that. And I think there was some adjustment as far as Zion and like most young players are concerned as far as NBA life. It's just not as 
glamorous all the time as people think. You know, you may be on private jets, but you still get there in the middle of the night. Okay, <laughs> you still arrive in the middle of the morning, and and it's yeah, you're not commercial, but it, it's not easy. And I think he has to probably has to get accustomed to some of that. Okay, I understand that. I think he also has to learn to lay to lay off a little bit on the good New Orleans food because y'all got it down. <laughs> y'all got it made down there with all that with all that gumbo and that jambalaya, that catfish, that seafood. That's not that's not fair, man. I can see why he gained he might have gained some weight and be out of shape. Y'all food's off the charts, so he may have to I mean, got to plead guilty on that. We got to plead guilty, okay? I mean, I, yep, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. However, when he left from the bubble, he didn't come to New Orleans. He went, to, I guess he went back to South Carolina. I guess he did. You know, he went back to South Carolina. And, you know, and, and like, uh, like my good friend David Grubb, you know, who <laughs> has a podcast, he said, you can't go back home and grandma wants to feed you. You can't say no. You know, you, you got to take what grandma wants to feed you. And, you know, going to South Carolina, I mean, we pretty much know what kind of food grandma put yeah. in front of him. <laughs> so maybe that was part of it. But, yeah, you're right. We, we are not the best city in the world for you to watch your weight. <laughs> he needs to be playing in where? Where do you think? Cleveland, maybe? Someplace like that? Yeah, something like that where it's not too much going on. I mean, New Orleans is really, really popping, especially you talking about Bourbon Street and the good food y'all got, man, that's not fair. I mean, I went for one weekend and I gained five pounds. I already know. So I already know what he could be dealing with. Everybody listening right now, you're listening to Ro Brown. Uh, Ro, let's transition back to Lonzo Ball because Lonzo Ball, like we've mentioned before, digressed in the bubble, he had some positive moments, but also some negative moments, and the bubble really mm -hmm. exposed that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there's been, it's been rumored that you know that he might be on the trading block, and I think one of the teams that's been mentioned that's interested in him is actually the Phoenix Suns. Right. That's so if I was the Pelicans, do I really consider trading him to that team to pair him up for Devin Booker, and is he actually a good fit for Phoenix? Devin Booker. Phoenix would be crazy to get rid of Devin Booker before he wants to leave, before he's able to leave. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying trade Devin Booker. I'm talking about pairing him up with Devin Booker. <laughs> oh, you mean when he gets there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, if he got to Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, I could I think I could play point guard with Devin Booker. <laughs> At 68 years old, I think I could do that. No, seriously. Um Lanzo. Like we said earlier, he was really good at sometimes. And during the bubble, it wasn't very good at all. Yeah, I'm always, this day and age, Joshua, I'm always kind of surprised when a young player like Lonzo Ball, who's a guard, can't shoot. Because it seems like that's what they all do now. Okay, now I don't know if, if it's, you know, and if they don't do it, they try to do it. Uh, you know, our seven-footers all think that they have to be Kevin Durant now. You know, nobody, nobody wants to be a post player anymore. They all want to face the basket and they all want to shoot. So when I see a guard in this day and age who looks like he never hit a jump shot in his life sometimes, okay, it, it, it's, it kind of baffles me. 
He's long, a lot of possibilities. Uh, I'm not saying that they should trade him, but I just think that, you know, if David Griffin and them have a chance to get something for him, that they'll probably listen. But, you know, he had his ups and he had his downs. His ups were really good and his downs were really bad. Uh, there was no in-between, it seemed to me, this season, you know, with uh, Lonzo Ball. And, and uh, like I said, I'm not saying get rid of him. I'm not saying they need to cut bait and get rid of him. But I think if they could get something worthwhile that they really need, that they may have to think about that. Here's my question for you, though. Where is, this, where is LeVar? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I want him, okay. Not that I. I'm, that is, but 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 Joshua, remember? I mean, he was everywhere. <laughs> there was a time when he was everywhere, and did you hear anything from him this year? I think I think the a dad? lot. Of, now, I think what happened is two things. Number one, he likes big cities, but not big. As, he wants things bigger than New Orleans. Okay. I think that's number one, mm -hmm. and I think number two. The Ball Brothers signed with Rock Nation now. Mm -hmm. They signed with Jay Z. So yeah, yeah. Jay Z and them probably was like, "Look, Lavar, we love you, but look here, if you boy signing <laughs> with us, he may have to limit you a little bit." <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, that's what they want, so I got to step back now." But I mean, hey, LeVar, you know, I think, me with, go on. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying, but I think that will change, especially if Lamelo Ball uh -huh. goes to New York uh -huh. or goes to a big city like that. Mm -hmm. Like a really big city. Yeah. Lamelo gets ends up going over there. Lonzo for some reason gets traded to go to something like that. Oh, he'll pop out. I'm pretty sure he'll pop out. <laughs> because I mean, with with social media like this, I mean, you know, I mean, when you say he didn't want to come to a smaller market, I, mean, I understand what you're saying. You know that he doesn't want to be in there. But with social media, I mean, we saw him anyway all the time. You know, it, it yeah. seemed and. And he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. And I'm not saying I want him back. I'm not saying that. <laughs> just <laughs> during the season, that crossed my mind now and then. I go, you know, wow, I wonder where is dad? Uh, how good is uh, his brother? Brother's well, projected top three. But Can't how be. good is he? How good is he? Is he better than Lonzo, you think? I don't know. I I've yeah. seen a little I think he, yeah, he has to be better Do than Lonzo. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, other people have told me that. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't seen enough of him, but uh, you're not the first person to say that you think he's better than his older brother. Uh huh. That's pretty good. Okay, that's pretty good. I'm glad. I'm glad you approved my analysis. I really oh, appreciate yeah. that. Oh, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know more than I do about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell. Well, talk to me about this then, because since you you briefly mentioned that you think David Griffin will listen to trade trade offers for, um, for you know Lonzo Ball. Mm -hmm. One of the times that you actually talked to me was last time we told was you know with the AD trade and how you knew you had sources inside that gave you insight as far as you know they knew Dell Demps was eventually out the door, right. um, and you know and even Alvin Gentry at the time was on the fence depending mm -hmm. on who they hired. And now that he's gone, like how, what is the pulse of the Pelicans locker room right now? If you have any insight on what the Pelicans locker room could be right now, what mm -hmm. is the pulse of it? I, you know, I would say, you know, and I'm not going to tell you that, you know, 
that I, I see them every day. I mean, none of us have seen them really into the last three or four months. But for the most part, this team is so new and young. I mean, it, it, it really is. I mean, we got all the people who came here, you know, Josh Hart and Ingram and Ball and, and Favors came, you know, and like I said, the previous three in the, from L.A. with the trade, the whole works. Uh, you know, Drew Holiday, of course, is here, who I think is, you know, a really, really, really good player. Uh, you know, not that kind of vocal rah-rah guy, but, you know, a veteran player who everybody knows he's a terrific two-way player. He does well on offense and on defense. Uh, I got the feeling that, I mean, the times that I was just around them, I got the feeling that they didn't have a problem with Alvin Gentry. You know, I, I didn't get the feeling that there was any real problem. Say, for instance, like you feel like you had in Philadelphia, you know, with the Sixers. I mean, you're just looking at them on television. It just, it didn't look, you could tell that there was something going on with some of the players and the coaches. I never got that from the Pels this year. Uh, now, I can't tell you that they, you know, that they're all surprised perhaps that a change was made in getting rid of Alvin Gentry, but the Pulse seemed all right. I mean, they just seemed like a young team uh, with a lot of new people who went on a 13-game losing streak early. I think that had a lot to do with their psyche, and they kind of broke away and were playing pretty well, uh, all things considered, at the time that the yeah, pandemic hit. But I, I didn't really see, I didn't feel any friction between Alvin Gentry and the players. Now, they didn't always play the way that they should have played for him, but I just didn't get any friction from it. You know, it seemed like a guy who was coaching a young team, you know, and had some veterans like J.J. Reddick, who's their best player in the bubble, and uh, Drew, you know, and Derek Favors came over. I mean, I considered him a veteran, but by and large, I just didn't, I didn't feel a problem, you know, if, if that's what you're asking. But I just, I just didn't get that feeling that the pulse was something that was negative. Okay. So as far as Alvin Gentry is concerned, so you're saying that his departure from the team, did you think that it could eventually get to that point? Or did you think, you know, he could, you could have potentially had at least one more season to work with this group before he got out, shipped out the door? I think if they had played better during the, in the bubble, he may have gotten another season. If they played better. Okay, and I'm not saying necessarily if they had secured the eight or nine spot in the seeding, if they played better, I have a feeling that he would still be here. There was a lot of talk last season about Alvin Gentry being relieved of his duties. Uh, you heard a lot because, you know, the owner, Mrs. Benson, liked it because he's a good guy. He's a nice guy, you know, he's a really good guy. And, uh, but I thought that if they played better, during the eight-game bubble season, that he would still be here. But there were just times that they just didn't didn't look like they didn't look like they were grasping whatever he was trying to tell them, and uh, that cost him his job, I think. And also, I mean, David Griffin is the kind of guy who probably wants his own guy. You know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's how it is with a lot of professional sports franchises. 
you get a new general manager, you get a new person that's running the basketball and football, baseball operations. And you may, I mean, he knew we out the gentry and they worked together, I think, in Phoenix. I mean, they weren't strangers. And, uh, but you want your own person. And so the person who's already there is probably on a bit of a short leash. And that happens all over the league, I think. I mean, that happens all over the league. And part of that is the reason, I think, why Alvin is along with their play down the stretch. Because they recovered nicely from a 13-game losing streak. You got to give him that much. I mean, <laughs> a 13-game losing streak. And they recovered nicely from that. They really did, to the point where they were in contention. And if they played a little bit, they would have been close to that nine seed. Okay, okay, that's, that's some good feedback and I've, I've been some good insight. I appreciate that because now that he's gone, there's rumors that you know, uh, coaching candidates that are, are pretty much uh, uh, that they're considering for this position. You know, you got Ty Lu, who's the Lakers assistant, I mean, Clippers assistant coach. Mm-hmm. He's the one that's pretty much, pretty much, he can get any job. He's set, you know, he's the number one guy for a lot of uh, okay. franchises. But then, you know, outside of that, you got a couple other people maybe that could consider for the coaching position. Um, her Chris Finch. Um, I've heard mm-hmm. maybe Jason Kidd, yeah. you know, that may be in the, in the realm. What have you been hearing um, from your ins and outs as far as coaching candidates that they really could be, you know, really could be considering for the head coaching position? Those people that you mentioned are the people that you hear most. Uh, the thing is that, mm, see the teams that you're there with you know they're going to be playing a long time <laughs> and you know what i mean by a long time i mean they'll eventually I, I guess both of them when you talk about clippers lakers they'll make at least a conference final one would think and but david griffin said that it's not going to be he's not in a hurry to replace him i mean that's what he said that day but, you know, if you reach the person that you would like to have, well, then why wouldn't you do it quickly? And Jason Kidd, yep, that's one of the names, obviously, that's mentioned most. Uh, some people have mentioned Mark Jackson. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm, you think I'm, so? I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Because I wrote about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Because <laughs> that was my next question. Am I crazy? Because okay. Okay. I've been saying from the jump ever since <laughs> early this year, because you know, when we you know, I'm in Chicago. so mm-hmm. we cover the Bulls out here and the Bulls, they ain't got no coach yet. They finally got rid of Jim Boylan and cleared the whole Garth Pax era. So this is like a match made in heaven as far as a new turn for the Bulls right now. Like, God's answering prayers. So, now we're at a point now we're actually picking a coach. And, you know, we have, we, like, like every other franchise, we got candidates. But yeah, yeah. the guy that, that's, that people have, have said they would like to see, and someone I really would like to see is Mark Jackson because Mark Jackson <laughs> – at least, it's, as, at least from the players' perspective, have been reportedly blackballed out the NBA. So mm-hmm. there's no, we don't know the, the full ins and out as far as why he's not a coach in the NBA as of yet. And outside of that justification, I mean, if you think about the fact that he helped develop a team, 
that young players, he helped develop young players. He gave teams mm-hmm. identity. He gave the Warriors an identity. Mm-hmm. Before Steve Kerr took over, he helped develop those players of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, who, even though they were, you know, first-round draft draftees, no one expected them to be who they are now. No. Um, no. He definitely played a role in that. And, he, and even Steve Kerr, when he took over the reins, he said, this team wouldn't be this good that I'm coaching now if it wasn't for Mark Jackson and his mm-hmm. teachings. So the credit is there. What do you why was why, why was he black? Why was he blackballed? I've heard people say that, but I've never heard that. That's I, the thing. That's the thing. That's the ins and outs that we don't know yet. We don't mm-hmm. know as far as I mean, there's rumors speculating about how he operated his practices and things of that sort, but mm-hmm. it's nothing that's fully confirmed. You know what I'm saying? So, right. so outside of that. I just go by what people people that play for him said. And they've said that he's a great coach. And Andre Iguodala, who's now with the Miami Heat, did say that he was blackballed. So yeah, you see, you see, Josh, but I don't remember I, when they relieved him of his duties at Golden State. Maybe I just didn't go to the right places. I don't remember a lot of players seeming like they were sorry. Or I, I, I just which I never really understood. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember seeing or getting the feeling that guys were going, oh, man, that was a bad move. That was, they just went on. Okay. Right. It, it seems like they just went, okay, all right. You know, I, I just don't remember hearing anything like that. But I don't know. Maybe I was, you know, I mean, I'm not there. I'm not on the West Coast. I'm not in the Bay Area. I wasn't there. Maybe there was, but. I don't remember hearing a lot from the players when they got rid of Mark Jackson. And the other thing is, do you want to leave the comfort of the broadcast group and get back into the coaching rat race? Do you want to do that? Uh, some people, you know, I mean, they'll listen, but, you know, when you get right down to it, you know, I, I call it the John Gruden effect. Okay? John Gruden stopped coaching and worked in television. All of a sudden, he became this expert on everything. <laughs> he became a quarterback guru in all this, you know? And, and uh, you know, it's a comfortable life, okay? Uh, you know, you want a Super Bowl. Uh, you're not criticized about anything. You... Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a good life. I mean, you become an expert, and people listen to what you say, as opposed to getting back in the coaching rat race where everybody second guesses almost every move you make, and some of them, well, they second guess it for the right reasons, and some of your moves may be worth being second guessed. But I mean, when you're in television, you know, a critic now and then, yeah, from some newspaper, does he want to leave that? and get back into it. Maybe he does, but mm, we'll, we'll have to see. They got my doubts, but yeah, but I know you like, like Mark Jackson. I can see that. <laughs> you I want Mark Jackson. Do. I, want, I definitely do. He got to get back in the league. Jackson, yeah. <laughs> he got to get back in there soon. You, <laughs> you want him here. Oh, you want him in Chicago or somewhere. <laughs> Really wanted him in Chicago. I got a whole list of places he can go to. You got Philadelphia <laughs> that's open right now. You got Brooklyn open right now. 
You yeah. got you got New Orleans open, Chicago mm-hmm. still open. He got lots of options of I, I would love for him to coach at. But I just think from a Pelicans perspective, he can mm-hmm. potentially fit just because it's like working with the Golden State Warriors when he first got there. They're a young team without an identity. Mm-hmm. And he helped provide that identity. And that identity took the Warriors a long way, even after his tenure, to a point where now mm-hmm. they, they became the dynasty that they were. Right. The Pelicans have some nice pieces. Maybe yeah. Mark Jackson, since he was a, he's a point guard, top of, one of the top assist leaders in the league mm-hmm. throughout, his, throughout his history, played in the NBA Finals. He's played in these t- with the rough, you know, yeah. the, right. in a good era. So he has mm-hmm. experience of what it means to be a point guard. Yeah. Lonzo Ball's not a shooter, but he can facilitate. He can yeah. run an offense. Right. Maybe that's something that could potentially work. Maybe he can get something out of Lonzo that other coaches can't. You're right. Maybe he has the insight to work with Zion. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, he he has the potential, and it's been proven that he can coach up good quality talent and develop quality talent. Why mm-hmm. not put him in, in the Pelicans when they're pretty much in the same position like they were with the Warriors when he first got that job? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You make a lot of sense. Yeah, I can see that. You make a lot of sense. Maybe you need to do the hiring. You know, maybe David David Griffin needs to hire you, Joshua. You know, you ever thought about that? <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely open for the inside. I'll, I'll take that call. We we can discuss that. No issues. We can discuss that. <laughs> but, outside, but outside of that, who do you who do you personally would like to see that you know of? Um, you know, you you know who candidates. You know the candidates that are out there. You know who the Pelicans are most likely looking at. Who yeah, do you think yeah. they should do? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to give you who I would want. Put it that way. How about that? I would want Tyrone Lou. I would want Lou. That, that's who I would want. Yeah, I, I would want him. Uh, I just, you know, <laughs> this isn't scientific, you know. But just some people just look like they know what they're doing, especially with young people. You know, he just has that look like he knows what he's doing. And, uh, you know, he has a calm, he has a kind of calm demeanor about him. You know, I mean, he can get, but he just looks like somebody. He reminds me of the, like the educators and the coaches that, you know, I had as an old black people who taught us, they just kind of had this calm that just, you know, they could just look at you and get their points across. He's a young guy, but he strikes me like that, just looking at him, coach. And I think that could be very helpful for a team that has the kind of pieces that the Pelicans have. Uh, as you know, and as everybody knows, he's won the thing before. He's been to finals, so it's not like he, you know, has never been around, never been there. Uh, if I had to, if that would be my choice. Now, whether or not they could get him, I don't know. I'm not saying that's it, but if I could get somebody for the Pels, that's who I would want. I would want Lou. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Ty Lou is a very, very well-respected coach without the league, and he's he has the resume. I mean, if you really think about it, he was supposed to be LeBron's coach right now before right. they before the Lakers jacked up that contract. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all thought that that's where he would be. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, he would he would be he would be who I would want. Put it that way. Okay, so I'm gonna put you on the spot with this question. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> if you if think like you're part of like think about think 
think in David Griffin's shoes. Mm-hmm. Who do you think he would most likely go after the most for this position, aside from Ty Lue? Because we know Ty Lue is an automatic given at this point. Yeah, aside from Ty Lue. Yes. From what you heard, from what you've seen, potentially covered, who do you think he would potentially go after the most aside from Ty Lue? Hmm. I'm going to say that he would go after who you would go after. Really? Yeah. Uh, Part of that, I think, is because, you know, he's not somewhere coaching where, you know, where he has to, you know, I mean, he he could get him almost, if he could get him, he could get him almost any time. If you understand what I mean. I'm talking about, you know, the other guys still in the playoffs. Uh, David Griffin just, he seems like someone who is also cognizant of making a big splash, okay? He may be a basketball guy, but he seems like someone who is cognizant of other things like marketing and all. You know, I mean, there's some people, you know, you just think of them just doing basketball operations, you know, making trades, blah, 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 contracts and all that. Uh, He strikes me as somebody who's interested in even more than that. You know, it's, like I said, marketing, and he just just strikes me as one of those kind of people. And I think he'd like to get somebody who would also, for lack of a better way of putting it, the easy way is sell tickets or make people think about buying tickets, or be a name. Because, you know, we are, one thing about New Orleans, we are a a star town, okay? You know, we like stars, okay? I mean, we'll we'll show up to see the star. And, you know, I think David Griffin has a little bit of that in him. And so that, Mark Jackson might not be far-fetched. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. Right. But that, that, that's just, like you said, if I'm in David Griffin's shoes, I might be able to see him doing something like that. It's probably crazy and out of my mind, but that's what I think. It's okay. I've been crazy. I wrote an article <laughs> about the whole thing. So, hey, you know if I wrote something, you know it. That's, I'm already crazy. <laughs> Everybody tuning in right now, you're listening to an all-star Hall of Famer <laughs> broadcast and <laughs> sports journalist. New Orleans, bro, Brown. Bro, talk about your show. You told me recently you are, you got a radio show <laughs> with, a, with a legendary Saints player right now going on New Orleans on top of your Hall of Fame career and Hall of Fame life. Tell, tell, give, tell my audience and people listening to this, uh, this, this interview, what you, what, what's the special show that you're doing right now live on the air? It's a show called The Ricky and Rose Show. It's on WBOK AM, which is a longtime New Orleans station here. Uh, it was a you know soul music station, 60, 70 years old. Uh, it's been a gospel station in between, been a lot of things since then. And since Hurricane Katrina, it's been a talk radio station, a Black-owned talk radio station. Now, I don't know how many you have in the country, but I'm sure you don't have too many of those, but that's what this station is. Uh, Monday through Friday, I do a two-hour show called the Ricky and Rose Show with Pro Football Hall of Famer Ricky Jackson, the uh, 
Hall of Fame linebacker with the New Orleans Saints and won a Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers. One of the absolute best players, football players that I have ever, 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 ever seen. A terrific player. Uh, we've known each other since 1981 when he arrived here as a rookie from the University of Pittsburgh as the uh, defensive end on the other side of the line from Hugh Green, who I would say ended up having a much better pro career than Hugh Green did. Uh, and Hugh Green wasn't bad, but it wasn't a Ricky Jackson career. Uh, we just talk about things that are just uh, happening. We haven't had much ball bouncing at all, and it was, you know, cut off for months, but there's always stuff to talk about because there's so much other things connected to sports, social justice issues, and the whole work. So there's always something to talk about. Let me give you an example of what I have to go through with doing a show with uh, the City Champ, as his nickname is, Ricky Jackson. Today's show that we did two hours ago, 40 minutes into the two-hour show, he gets up while I'm on the air and he's talking on the phone and he walks around to the producer and says something to him. The producer writes something down. He comes back into the studio while I'm talking and I'm wondering, what is he doing? And we're 40 minutes into the show. The producer tells me the next caller is RL. And I said, uh, let's go to line two, RL. And RL doesn't say anything. And I say, who is this? Ricky, who is this? So I asked the guy, who are you? This is Ronnie Lott. <laughs> Ronnie Lott? What do you mean, Ronnie Lott? You know, and so that's what you get. I get surprises like that a lot of days, okay? Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame is a, it's like a fraternity. So, I mean, he just calls these people on a whim and they come on the show. You know, Peter O'Campbell, Eric Dickerson, Marcus Allen, uh, you know, and, <laughs> but we like to talk about a lot of issues and I'm a big history person, Joshua. Uh, always have been. Most of the things that I do, the things that I like doing that I have done uh, during my career in sports journalism is all, have always been toward the history side of things especially the African-American history side of things. And uh, we get a chance to talk about that a lot. Uh, I like to, I've always been the type, I like to tell people things they didn't know. Um, people always tell me that I know everything. Ricky always says that. I tell them, no, I don't know everything. I just like to try to find out a lot of stuff as much as I can. And uh, that's all, it's just a fun show about two hours and uh, you know, that's pretty much what it is. You know, it's, uh, it's fun to do. I still don't know if I want to do a show every day. And by the way, this station is owned, one of the owners of the station now is the actor, Wendell Pierce. And uh, Wendell's been very good. He does a show or so on the, uh, on the air. And that's one of the things I do. That's awesome. I mean, nothing like, you know, I mean, see, we all can't be like you, you know, and, <laughs> and have your own podcast, you know, and, and, and that, and I'm not, you know, social media person like you, you know, I mean, you know, people know, you know, you had to teach me how to do this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I appreciate your, your words of, of 
of your words of wisdom and your appreciation. But let's be serious. You're the one out here cutting in a good 44 years, yeah. winning NAPJ awards and getting awards at the hall at the Broadcasting Hall of Fame. I mean, you're yeah, they, you're part they, of the Hall of Fame board and you vote, bro. I mean, they, they feel sorry for me. Okay, you hang around long enough, they do. You know, but no, that's one of the important things that I think I do. I think it's important. I'm on the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame selection committee. I'm on the All-State Sugar Bowl Great in New Orleans Sports Hall of Fame Committee and the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame in that uh, And, you know, those are important. Those things that, yeah, you know, I think it's important. Yeah. And an example was, I can't say who's going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, but I will say that uh, I'm very happy. And the reason why I think it's important is because we have a... Uh, 93-year-old African-American high school football coach going in this year. And, you know, we're not supposed to say who it is, but things like that, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. I mean, that you know, that I have a hand in getting somebody like that in. Uh, Dave Malosher also had a hand in getting him in. Dave Malosher was... Rube Foster, the founder of the Negro Leagues, he was Rube Foster's like assistant coach. He was a player and a coach who was from New Orleans. They called him Gentleman Dave Malosher uh, because he was, he had a college degree even then. He graduated from uh, New Orleans University, which was one of the two schools that merged to form Dillard University, okay? New Orleans University and Strait were two HBCUs in New Orleans that merged to form Dillard. So technically, he's a grad, you know, Dillard can claim him as a graduate. Like I said, he was Rube Foster's assistant coach with the Chicago American Giants and won a couple World Series titles where Rube Foster had his mental issues and all. He took over and was a really good infielder, really good player. And we got him in. You know, and a lot of the selection committee, you know, they don't even know who these people are, you know, until you tell them who they are. And so that's what I mean when I say it's important that I'm on those kind of committees. Besides that, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very important. And, and very, like you said, a lot of things historically that we need to know, especially as African-Americans mm-hmm. in this business that follow these sports and follow these brands. We definitely need to be able to know who we're dealing with and who and what helps us get to where we are within our history. Which which makes me think today, did you hear about Bill Nunn? Do you know Bill Nunn? Heard of him. Bill Nunn, Jr. Bill Nunn is a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They announced that today in the contrib- as a contributor. Bill Nunn was the sports editor of the Pittsburgh Courier. The Pittsburgh Courier was an African-American newspaper that was like USA Today. It was a national newspaper and they had bureaus in all the major cities. And Bill Nunn was the sports editor of the Pittsburgh Courier. And his job, one of his jobs he took upon himself was he used to pick the Pittsburgh Courier All-American team, which was the HBCU All-American team. Uh, His father before him started doing that too. And when he graduated from West Virginia State, he just came in and picked up, you know, where his father left off. So they would, so he knew about HBCU football. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers hired him as a scout because of that. Hmm. Okay. So he's responsible for 
John Stallworth from Alabama A&M, Mel Blunt from Southern, Ernie Holmes from Texas Southern, Elsie Greenwood from Arkansas Pine Bluff, Donnie Shell from South Carolina State. You know, I mean, we could go on and on and on. Frenchie Fuqua from Morgan State. He was responsible for all those people, which means that he was pretty responsible for the Steeler dynasty in the 70s. And of course, the Steelers hired him as a scout eventually. And uh, looks like he's going to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year. Now, if the name sounds familiar to you, his son, who is actually Bill Nunn III, was Radio Raheem. Yeah. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> now, he, he went by the name of Bill Nunn Jr., but actually, he was the third. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know, the actor that you saw in the Spike Lee movies and some other movies. And, yeah, mm -hmm. that was his son. Oh wow! Okay. So, yeah, yeah. See, it's important to know your history. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you with this one question. Uh oh. That I forgot to bring up, but I think will be a uh -oh. very good topic for your radio show. Okay, I'm always looking for. It. By the way, I got to have you on my radio show too. Yes, most definitely. Let, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let me know. Matter of fact, I might do it this week, but go on. <laughs> hey, let me know. Um, so basically, I was having a conversation with a group, you know, with our radio group, a group of guys here at War Media. And one of the guys brought up the idea of the Warriors. Because I think the Pelicans are picking, I want to say, top 15 in this draft. I think, it, I think it's 13. 13. I, mean, I think they're number draft, 13. The lottery last week, I think they were 13. I think yeah, I think they're 13. Mm -hmm. Um, my 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 bro uh, my bro Melvin, shout out to Mel, uh, New York guy. Um, he said that the Warriors should actually call the Pelicans and offer Andrew Wiggins and the second pick in the draft mm -hmm. for Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram. Oh, no, no. No, 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 no. You, you want to consider that? No, 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 no. Well, now wait a minute. Okay, so I mean, are the Warriors the Warriors going to give us that that pick? Yes. Yeah, they're going to trade Andrew Wiggins plus the second pick, plus that number two pick, for Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday. You know, okay, I might do that. I might wow. do that. With tell, that tell, tell my audience now, why you now, 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 who should they pick with the second pick? Do we know? I don't know. See, see, that's the thing. If they're trading Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday, they will most likely have to, the top three guaranteed pick players Anthony that's going Edwards? top three is Anthony no, Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Uh -huh. Either Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, or James Wiseman. Mm -hmm. Those are the top three projected right now. Okay, if I if I have that number two pick, if I'm the Pelicans and I have that number two pick, I don't even think about anybody but Wiseman. So you so you you want to cover that defense right there? Yeah, I don't think I you know of those three. I mean, I love Anthony Edwards. I really do. I think he's really good. But it, uh, those three, and if I got the number two pick, okay, if I could get at Wiseman, I'd get it. Okay. Of those three. Yeah, okay. No doubt. But the fact that you consider it, though, that's intriguing to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really intriguing now, that, now that, Joshua, now that you mentioned it, yeah, it is. It's intriguing to me, too. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you should bring that up on your radio show and see if you get some callers to call you and see how crazy you might be. <laughs> well, well, i tell you what. I, I think I'll hold off on it, have you on the show, and let you look crazy, okay? <laughs> I'll take it. Bring me the ratings. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Say, I'll take it, and I'll post that on my social media so everybody can know how crazy I was on your, on your podcast. Everybody listening right now, Ro Brown, legendary sports reporter, sports journalist, radio host, you name it. Dude's been in the business for 44 years, still kicking and still going strong. And quite frankly, is by far one of the best, biggest mentors that's been in my life in navigating this industry. So you learn, you're definitely learning from the best. Now, Ro, I know you may or may not have social media. So if you do, can you please let our audience know where they can find you? Well, WBOK, 12.30 a.m., uh, they stream live, you know, they get Facebook live, the whole works. Uh, I got to think about the, um, what the website is, because, I mean, it's just, you know, streaming live. You can just click on that. But uh, it's WBOK, 12.30 a.m. All right. I, yeah, yeah. And it's you know, Ricky and Rose show, 4 to 6 Central Time. Four to six central time. People Monday through time. Friday. Monday right. through Friday. And like you said, we always have really good guests, you know, mainly because of Ricky and, you know, you know, I mean, sometimes because of me, you know, big to do local stuff. Always, you know, I've always been a local person. And uh, because the people who listen to you want to hear people they know occasionally. So that's what we try to do. I hear you. I hear you. And everybody, please follow that on the websites, but also follow me on social media, on Twitter at jhicks042, and on Instagram at thatguyjoshhicks, and follow War Media, we are Regal Radio, on Regal Radio 1 on Twitter, and I want to say it's we are Regal Radio on Instagram, don't quote me on that though, because I'm going to post it anyways, and I'm going to tag it, we are Regal Radio in the post, so just follow me as I follow War Media. Mm-hmm. Everybody, thank Ro, Ro, I thank you. For coming on talking talking about the pelicans with us and obviously look forward to talking to you soon and obviously we got i gotta bring you back on to talk some football especially with the okay fans. oh yeah y'all yeah, got that, a, y'all got a tough rough this year y'all got y'all got tampa bay <laughs> y'all got the tampa bay you got an you got teddy to deal with <laughs> y'all got a lot going on man so definitely got to talk they, about that they can handle it they can handle that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it ought to be an interesting season. Yeah, really. We'll definitely talk about that soon. But in the meantime, man, thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm. I'd love to look forward to seeing you soon and talking to you soon. And we'll, we'll definitely work on getting that gig together so we can uh, talk talk all things uh, NBA oh, for sure. Oh, you're going oh, to be on my show soon, on the Ricky and Rose show. You're going to be on soon. <laughs> okay. I'll be looking forward to it, man. All right. That being said, thank you. You have a good evening. We'll catch up. Thank you, Joshua.